0: This episode is sponsored by Isotope. Their audio software like Rx helps to clean up my recordings and they have a ton of other products on their site, isotopecom Ruinous. Right now, Ruinous Media and Fretboard Journal listeners save 10% at checkout on any Isotope plugin or bundle using the code FRET10. So if you have a podcast or produce music, go to isotopecom slash Ruinous and shop their award-winning audio production products And save 10% off your order with the code FRET10. Make your audio sound better. The Design Freaks Podcast. Hi, thanks for listening. This is episode 35 of the Design Freaks Podcast where we talk music industry, art, and design. I'm Clarita, I am the host, and this is the poster episode. So, there's a lot to talk about as far as posters and flyers and stuff like that. So I'm hoping this is the first of multiple poster-centered shows. Um, So this one I'm going to do five poster facts, kind of history of poster design. And then I'm going to have a chat with Josh Manderville of Funko Games here in Seattle about Seattle posters, posters for Seattle bands, for Funko Games. And when I think of Seattle game design I think of video games but no he designs analog board games so that's kind of exciting and then he kind of tells me about um, growing up here and sort of getting exposed to poster design and having that be the gateway to music sort of and then also the gateway to design and it also led him to board game design and it also led me down a serious rabbit hole of vintage board game commercials, and uh, a lot of them I had never heard of. There were people made a lot of games back in the day. Um, there was a lot of hurry up and stack the things on, you know, different sort of iterations of that, like stack the things on the balancing pyramid or the arc, the archway, or marbles on a wet paper towel. I don't know what was going on back then, but there was a lot of. Urgency for stacking.
1: Out. It's knockout. Knock out the bricks with the rammer hammer. Stack them up, but don't let the wall fall. Don't let the wall fall an answer, knock I it. Win. Yeah.
0: Okay. Five quick poster facts. Um, but I wanted to as usual, I wanted to say thank you, everyone, for listening, downloading, sharing, etc. And just a reminder: I'm a small niche niche type of show so if you rate and review it does help more people find me check out the photos and links to accompany this episode and all episodes at design freaks podcast i forgot the name designfreakspodcast.com you can also contact me there find my socials etc and for more music podcasts on the ruinous media network check out ruinousmedia.com five poster facts number 1 The mass-produced poster was made possible by the 1796 invention of lithography. Um, Colored posters came soon after with the development of chromolithography in 1837, pretty long ago. Um, Number two, posters are responsible for modern graphic design and typography. Uh, They could only work if they could be understood at a distance. So many of the fonts that were popular back then would not work for this uh, from the 18th and 19th centuries. Um, so they had to develop new text and images. So to suit the poster needs and be discernible from a distance. So, um, kind of led to modern typography and those graphic design principles of like, you know, central object and, uh, where we try to control where the eye goes with hierarchy, etc. Um, And some of those early ones are really, really cool. So I'm going to post an example by Thomas Theodore Hine from 1897. And it looks like something, it looks like something modern. It's got this red bulldog. Um, It's part of the permanent collection of the MoMA in New York. Okay, number three is where we start talking about the downfall of the poster. The introduction of large billboards was the first chipping away of the poster's dominance. But posters only started to get seriously threatened as an advertising medium with the introduction of radio. And I wrote here, radio killed the poster star. Aw. Number four, posters were dead until the 60s, while most of the mass-produced posters of this period were produced via offset printing, offset presses, or by hand, like they always had been. Uh, New techniques and materials were also used in some of the prints. The first example above, uh, from 19... 67 it's a grateful dead poster is one of the earliest to include blacklight fluorescent inks fluorescent inks and I'll post that it, it's a benefit and uh, Jefferson airplane and grateful dead are playing and I can't read everything I'm sure if I saw the printed version I'd be able to read it but it's of questionable resolution um, so number five Wes Wilson and Stanley Mouse among others pioneered the iconic 60s psychedelic style that continues to be adopted today. And they're talking about um, where they're using letter forms to as part of the illustration. And I'm going to post. Uh, I found a bunch of great articles while I was looking this stuff up and kind of went down these different trajectories. One of these is called How a Psychedelic Concert Poster Rocked the World. Um, ugh, it's also called Come on, Baby, Light My Flyer. Ouch. Um, but it's a cool poster and kind of shows the influence of Wes Wilson because we're still seeing this stuff done everywhere. Um, and then I went into, I went down another rabbit hole of gig poster plagiarism. Wow. I have to do a whole episode on that. It's pretty fascinating. The, the line between parody, a nod or a reference to a, a genre or technique like Swiss design Uh, versus just ripping someone off. Okay, and those are my five very oversimplified facts about uh, poster design history. And now here's my chat with Josh Manderville, creative director, game designer for Funko Games here in Seattle, Washington. Hi, Josh. Hello, welcome.
1: (laughs) It's nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you. So you are a designer and art director at at Funko games and what yeah. kind of stuff do you do there um, do you do any designing still
1: every time we do a game I often will do design it is very collaborative um, not necessarily with other designers but definitely with the producers um, my boss creative director general managers um, and a lot just lots of eyes on the games almost at all times like trying to just how to make them better, how to make them more flavorful and thematic, especially dealing with, like, licenses and stuff. Uh, We just announced a Fast and Furious game that will be coming out soon that I got to work on. So there's a lot of, like, big licenses, but very, like – it's not kind of like the 80s where they would just take a, you know, a game and just skin it with whatever movie franchise. It's a lot more – Like a pinball machine. Exactly. It's, like, much more video video games when they just, like, make a Batman game and it's
0: basically just – uh, you know, Castlevania with Batman. First, <laughs> when did you move to Seattle? By the way, we moved from
1: Idaho when I was seven, mm-hmm. and we moved to this to South or it's not really South Seattle. It's like by SeaTac in Des Moines, Federal Way, Kent, oh, yeah. Auburn area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, everyone who lives outside Seattle, whether or not Seattleites want to consider us Seattle or not, we call ourselves Seattleites because anyone outside of Washington, they ask where you're from, you say, I'm from Seattle. It's like, yep. technically you're from unincorporated King County or whatever. <laughs> what year was that? Uh, 87, I want to say. Bumper shoot and Fanagraphics and. You know, Rise of Sub Pop, it's all kind of part of my – I mean, not as ingrained as people that lived in Seattle. I'm still, you know, lower middle class brat from the suburbs. So it's not like I got – I had to kind of get it by way of MTV and public access and, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: And so did you collect – you said that you found a bunch of posters on on polls, telephone poles. And...
1: It was kind of like every time we took a trip to the city – and my parents were pretty awesome about, like, opening me up to that kind of culture and that world and not, like – not like mm-hmm. they were ingrained in it, but they didn't like shield me from any sort of counterculture or subculture. Every time we'd go up to the Seattle center or um, go to the mm-hmm. Space Needle or something, we'd walk around other parts of the city. I remember like being 12 and my dad taking me to the Crocodile Cafe, like during the day, it wasn't nighttime uh-huh. or anything, but he's like, yeah, they have shows here and stuff. And we'd walk around, there'd be like, posters on the, there were so many posters, you could literally just fire them on the ground. It wasn't like you had to like, peel them off of telephone poles. Yeah, I think it was, uh, yeah, just coming from Idaho, you know, not that they don't have, um, didn't have city culture there in Spokane and stuff, but I think moving over here was a big, the point was to kind of just expose us to like kind of the greater like urban life. Um, Even though we didn't live in the city, it was, we were often down there. Uh, and we would, uh, he once took me to the crocodile cafe, um, mm-hmm. during the day when it's just a restaurant. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, if you went into like the five point, it's just lots of awesome posters and stuff on the wall. Good food. So fun. Um, I think they were
0: smoking indoors back then.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't have known like, you don't know it sucks until it isn't there. And then you get, you don't have it. And then you go back and you're like, oh crap, what smells? Oh yeah. This is what smoking a bar used to smell like. And so I was saying like, there's posters, you can just pull them off the walls and stuff, but there were so many, you could often just find them on the ground, you know, maybe someone posting about sick of posting them and just dumped them. You know, it could be that. I simple. remember
0: finding piles of them too. Yeah. So what stuck out the most as far as um, the posters that you would see? Lots of Xerox stuff,
1: but also just like, why is this poster have, you know, 40 weird names on it with just big, you know, narrow block lettering. Not that I knew like fonts back then, but um mostly it's just like names you see something like butthole surfers or uh-huh. sound garden it's like as you're 12 and you only know words based on you know context of school and learning it's just like you realize there's this other world that you're not as aware of and it's kind of forces you to want to be like well I want to know the secret the secrets of the world and this looks like a doorway to the secrets of the world I just wanted to know more about it like as a suburbanite it's like I'm sure everyone that was in that world that maybe started there like hated people coming in the suburbs, but I gotta say, it was like, I liked being part of the engine that was like, I gotta find more
0: of that. And so, did that, do you think that that um, influenced your becoming a designer eventually? 100%, 100%.
1: Yeah. Um, and definitely, but like bumper sheet was a thing that my parents started doing, uh, at least with me. And then eventually, me and my friends would go with, with me and my family mm-hmm. um, and just festivals back then it was such affordable it was so affordable compared to like a lollapalooza or a coachella or some like thing they have now right this was like five dollars and you could see every local band that was in seattle at the time it wasn't like this big commercial event although there was aspects of that and not just music like it was music and art and i remember um it was the first place i had seen comic books that weren't for kids <laughs> it was at the ah. fanagraphics booth mm-hmm. and that was like well i like comics because i was like reading you know Calvin and Hobbes and Garfield and Far and stuff and mm-hmm. um, seeing that that bumper shoot was also kind of like those worlds are just kind of all melted together.
0: What were your who are your favorite poster artists?
1: Definitely Kozik. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he was so instrumental and from Austin, so I'm sure you were well <laughs> saw a lot of Kozik around.
0: He did cows and butthole surfers, all those bands.
1: Yeah, I also like uh, locally. I think. Just about every designer probably is familiar. With Jeff Kleinsmith and Art Chantry, just how much they did that. And Jeff Kleinsmith is like his Saul Bass kind of look is like this like modernized. It's hard to say modernized. I guess contemporized, contemporary <laughs> Saul Bass style. And I think that's why I like Kozik so much, because he was so not to call him like a complete outsider, but he just had more of an outsider feel to me, like. It's his stuff. Isn't you know perfectly graphic design school made. It's very neon and colorful, and his imagery was just funny.
0: It didn't feel like I'd have like a big
1: message to it. It was just
0: like, and because of the color palette, it had to be silkscreened. And so yeah. those are also collectible and so cool. Like anyone who collected his posters, they still have them.
1: Oh god, I'd <laughs> see them at poster shops and want them to be like. $50. Uh, I'm yep. 13. I don't have $50. <laughs> I don't even know who these bands are. I just want the poster. Like I, had a, like I had a Gas Huffer flyer that I pulled off a wall. I didn't know who Gas Huffer was. It wasn't the internet. You couldn't like go find Gas Huffer's MySpace page and then instantly become like a super fan if you live in Kent.
0: Okay. So have you done your own poster design?
1: Uh, yeah, actually. That was like kind of the, in, in a weird way, it got me into actually doing board games and just gaming in general, because, uh, I had spent a lot of my, my early design career started at community college. I didn't go to like part school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up getting into a print shop. I got, uh, started at a Sir Speedy doing like business cards and envelope design and just typesetting for local businesses. Like, you know, whoever's in the rotary club of my boss's <laughs> rotary club, uh, and uh, eventually, that led to a job laying out small advertisements for the King County Journal and the uh, Eastside Journal, which eventually uh, joined and merged as newspapers slowly were dying away. <laughs> I was doing advertisements and trying to just learn how to use those applications: Adobe and multi-ed Creator, and Quark and PageMaker, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, on the side, when you know you're 18 and you move out uh, or whatever age, and you live with your friends and your friends in bands and they're playing these little shows and in, in bars at, you know, in the middle of the week because they're not big and they're just kind of piled on with a bunch of other bands. They're like, they have graphic designer friend, Josh. Mm-hmm. And can you, you know, maybe you want to do a poster for us, or maybe you want to make a CD cover or demo cover for us. Mm-hmm. So I started um, with my friend's band at the time. it's called the roulettes mm-hmm. were around briefly. And then what were they uh, called? The, roulettes? The, the roulettes. Yeah. It was oh. kind of like a somewhere between like, you know, dead boys Murder city devil's worship kind of stuff which you know Mm -hmm. i i still love that stuff so i have have real fond memories of like hanging out Mm -hmm. as a 21 year old um, with them and eventually it became posters for other bands that they had played with or knew in the same kind of group a band called dateless to kind of (laughs) pop punk like uh that which is very popular at the time uh and then uh friends from those bands another friend. that got it uh, synth pop was kind of big during that like electro clash kind of era in the 2005, 6, 7 era area, I think. Mm-hmm. So I did some posters for that. It was just kind of all like how much can I learn about Adobe Illustrator? That was like kind of the crux of my entire poster experience. So you kind of just like when you look at all those Xerox flyers from the 80s and 90s, I'm like, well, designers they weren't purposely trying to make them look haphazard, be maybe at first, and they were just kind of using the the tools they had. But I didn't have that in my era. I had a Illustrator 8. So I was like, I was gonna ask like,
0: which version of it you were using. Yeah, yeah,
1: I started on eight, and it was just like that was like the beginning of InDesign becoming a thing. And, and it's just like learning how to use the tools. So it's very crude, but it doesn't have the charm that like a Xerox poster has. It's like crisp, like wonky lines. <laughs> you know, I wish I had the mind to like do that at the time. I worked in a print shop that had Xerox machines, but for some reason I was more eager to learn illustrator to get like a job
0: yeah you want to you want to learn what's coming up i don't know that looks like what it looks like
1: i guess i like at the time i think they appreciated having some of just posters
0: yeah yeah and so do you have any of those around still
1: yep i have probably every, I, I was actually going pro, leading up to this i was actually going through my files and just making sure they all still opened in illustrator and they did i will send you every one that i have that i i'm at least proud of or at least can have a good memory of <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, okay, cool. yeah. I'll use a, at least a couple, but I would love to show like early Definitely. Illustrator versus because I've done so many shows where people started out with Xerox and stuff like that. Kurt Block kind of shared his uh prized poster possessions with me, so yeah. You know, I've I've kind of covered the Xerox thing. I'd like to show early Adobe as well. Yeah,
1: I didn't actually start appreciating my early work. It's a long time. I just hated. It. I just buried it, and then uh, I was contacted by Sal. Kenzianari, I can never pronounce the mm-hmm. last name, from the Electric Frankenstein, put out these art books, uh, mm-hmm. art poster books for rock. Mm-hmm. It's called like Fistful of Rock and Roll. And I actually got a page of some of my posters in that. So I must have my stuff. I had it up on gig posters, which doesn't really exist in the way that it used to exist. Mm-hmm. It used to be a, a website where you could go and just type in a band. It would show you tons of posters people have uploaded to like flyers and things. And I wish they still had it. But
0: um, Oh, it's not there?
1: Well, there's a gig posters. And it's like if you wanted to buy like a Rolling Stones, nice print, they have some up there. But it's not like it's not like a database What it used to be a database for like people to use.
0: Okay, that sounds cool. Somebody do that again.
1: (laughs) Well, they do it now. It's just Facebook groups, right? You find the local
0: Pacific Northwest Facebook group. Oh, my God, there's so many. yeah, Yeah,
1: the local one's great.
0: Yeah. Um, So it's kind of fun to look back. I was talking um, recently with someone I'm going to interview soon, and we were talking about the trap of nostalgia.
1: Yes. And
0: um, what do you think about that? Because like you were kind of stuck in in two worlds. You were near Xerox machines, but you wanted to move forward. Do you feel like nostalgia is sort of like a drug that you have to take in moderation and be careful or... Actually,
1: have thoughts on this because it's mm-hmm. part of my job. Actually, when we're doing these, ah. like you know, '80s license or whatever yeah. license we're doing for a game, it's like, yeah, you could just make it super retro and just kind of mm-hmm. put up that thing. If you go, oh, it looks just like the thing. But I like personally meld bringing some of that past, I almost almost like a seasoning in mm-hmm. and adding something new from yourself or from the current times to it, so that it mm-hmm. can. And there's a lot of different angles that that looks like once you do that. It can be ironic. It could be it could amplify mm. it and elevate it. I mean, it's, it, it's really like, if you're just using it in nostalgia, a hundred percent, it's too yeah. much, I think. I think it's just, it's a meal we've all eaten too much in the last, pretty much since 2000, you know? It's like, we're in a post, we're in a post-modern society officially, like as of, I want to say once the Strokes and the White Stripes kind of had their tear, it feels like everything now is in nostalgia recycling. Like
0: Right, and, and now it's like, I want to revisit the Garage Rock that was revisiting Garage Rock.
1: be I mean, the best thing is do but it just gave me something like new to kind of glom onto it it, makes it interesting and new i also think everybody's at different levels too with you know what can be overrun nostalgia for some because they've been treading in it since they were 13 could be a 30 year old who just discovered it you know they're like wait i like this garage rock it's like talking to the person that's been in it for that long they could be annoyed like we're all coming to things the internet has this ability to kind of level us all to the same age and then equalize <laughs> the arguments and it's like they're not all the same and no. they're all coming from different spots and like mm. i think that's something that's kind of lost on the screen is this like reality of you know the 50 year old arguing with the 14 the year old on the same comment thread on something and it's like it's also like socioeconomic things like someone could come from a land where icp isn't ironic people genuinely like that i saw them live when they were when i was like 15 it was fun hilarious as hell. Actually. but like you know the joke <laughs> To the point where it's irony and it goes back to being like, no, this is, this is awesome and fun. And like, yeah. I have a lot of opinions about music, but I don't know how to play a musical instrument or create anything at all.
0: I <laughs> it's know. Like, kind of wow. like,
1: it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a line we all have to kind of figure out, like the self-awareness of like how much we want to put on others and accept. And it's all in the moment, right?
0: <laughs> you were talking about stuff you designed. So when you got better, um, how did your did you keep doing band posters? When did you start charging money? How did that evolve?
1: I don't think I ever charged money. The most I think I ever got was like beer ticket, you know, free admission. I didn't have to pay the $5 again. I, also, none of the bands I was doing before were getting to the point to where I was going to be stiffing them for money. It was always like kind of in the back. I'm like, oh, come on, you guys can give me some money. But that was only to the point where I was working so much that I literally was having a hard time finding the time to do it. Like there's a point to where you're doing posters on the, for the fun on the side and then you have your mm-hmm. job and then eventually your job kind of takes up more of your time. And it was kind of when I got into the game company and it, also not just your mental space of like, well, I've done those, but I like doing, I want to do this more. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, or those yeah. bands break up and you thought those are your connections to anyone you would do a poster for and then you just kind of stop doing it. I love doing it though. It's one of those things like, if we get back to shows again. I would love to like, try it out.
0: What was the biggest project you've worked on?
1: Uh, It's weird, there's projects where you know they're big while you're working on it, and the ones that some seemed like, oh, this probably won't happen, and then afterwards it's big. Um, the biggest one recently was Back to the Future, like even mm-hmm. while working on it. It was my first game working on while well, I was at Funko Games, like specifically. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pressure, uh, but I felt very confident I could do it. It's just, it had a, it's a very big game, it's very immersive. And the, that's something we kind of try to do a lot there is like, you're not just playing a game. We want the game to feel like it was made for that film or that show or that. I, whatever that intellectual property is like it needs to feel like it, they belong together the game and the art mm-hmm. um, so that felt there's a lot of weight on that one and it came out great i love it there's been good reviews people like it. it's a little oh, difficult nice. to play which is challenging for you know hardcore gamers that they like the challenge some don't like the challenge uh-huh. and then there's ones like during was seemed kind of simple and easy and wasn't overall i mean the it was disney villainous because it's disney property you don't want to like mess that up but at the time it just came very smoothly
0: so when you're working with someone like disney um do, do they send over a style guide how do you navigate that
1: we if they don't send a style guide we try to get one just to know where they're coming from with design but we've mm-hmm. given a lot of creative leeway from our licensors and stuff like mm-hmm especially now after we've had a few successes under our belt, they don't like always have us adhere to some style guide. They know that like with our studio, we're trying to add a little bit more of an experience to a game. Okay. Um, I think the smaller the game, the more you're probably going to be pulling stuff from style guides just it, across the board, probably, you know, whether you're making pajamas, lunchboxes or board games. Yeah. But I think once you get into this like narrative storytelling, I think they open up a little bit and uh, are willing to explore that stuff with you.
0: And have you all, uh, talked about making a pandemic game?
1: Uh, aside from the board game pandemic that already exists. Is, uh, no, <laughs> I
0: didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs>
1: oh, sorry. It's at, at, that tells me a lot about how much you game. Cause that's a I pretty not. Game, But: Oh, is <laughs> it? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like sell that at Target and, and Walmart and have a game night after this. When you get everybody's vaccinated have a game night. The
0: thing is I have, uh, me and two cats.
1: <laughs> I can find a game for cats.
0: <laughs> you can i,
1: I we, i'm sure i can get one of my friends at work to make a game for cats that we can play with cats i'm it's possible you can gamify almost anything is what i've learned roll the dice and when your color comes up move your fish fast the fish that survives will be the winner So don't be last or
0: you'll be the dinner shark, shark shark attack what are you gonna do it's coming it's coming it's coming The shark
1: attack. So I mentioned I had the Gas Huffer poster and I remember going to like poster shops and I would see you kind of flip these big huge like racks of like their, their cellophane to like a big piece of cardboard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is what I saw but there's a Gas Huffer seven year bitch uh, Kozik poster. Uh-huh. Uh, it says 5th Avenue Seattle. I'm guessing that's what I spy or it says weathered wall so I think address wise. I, I knew it as I spy but I think those, you know, have venue names kind of change a lot in Seattle. Like the offer. I like, remember Turner, like, I Grace Spy. Land was also,
0: it was called Nation too. There were two levels. The upstairs, yeah. was I, the upstairs was Nation. The downstairs was I Spy or vice versa. I don't remember. Yeah, there's like
1: a little bar upstairs. Yep. And then downstairs was a bar in the stage. I saw like one or two. I saw Murder City Devils there. I was like, still is one of my favorite local bands ever. But yeah, the acoustic poster is, it's kids like at a zoo. And it's like a zoo safety don't feed the animals kind of thing. And one of the kids is in the cage with the polar bears. It's pretty brutal, but Uh, I actually own a Kozik poster. Uh, Here's the thing about Kozik too, is my, he's kind of an acquaintance friend. Um, I wouldn't call him a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, My, one of my best friends uh, used to date his wife and they're very good friends. So I've Mm -hmm. actually had the opportunity to go down and hang out with Kozik a few times, Uh, two times, but uh, I got a really awesome pixies poster that he did. Um, I think it's 2013. It's like a Bowery Ballroom, and it's kind of almost like a Misfits poster, where like part of her face is like scarred skull nurse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has like older ones, like Killdozer with like the bunnies, like yeah. the bunnies and animals, the cute and
0: stuff. Yeah. Beastie
1: Boys, with like a, a puppy with a machine gun, and mm-hmm. usually like little kids dancing. Uh, the Butthole Surfers one is one I wanted to talk about. Was the um, mm. the there's this tour that Butthole Surfers did with Reverend Heat. Uh, Mm -hmm. super suckers and the Mm toadies and it was one of the first like shows i got to go to as a teenager and um he kozik did the poster but it's like a little girl walking a it's either a tick or a like a a large like
0: insect yeah Uh uh-huh i've seen that before the giant bug
1: yeah i mean like look at the kerning on butthole this is like (laughs) it's not like he's really paying that much attention like or the just the gradient on every individual word like starting yellow it's like I do gradients from the top down. I mean, there's all these like little things It doesn't, I just, I like that it's, he's just trying to make it cool but he's nerding it out on it. Uh, I think he started doing black and white players back in the day. And then eventually just like, as he was had friends with all his bands, I think he would just kind of eventually start. It's his career kind of took off into posters where he's doing so many things. He was doing art and then he got into uh, designer toys. And I think that's where he like a lot of people these days know from kid robot and just doing all the, the smoking uh, labbits and, um, awesome like busted of uh, Chairman Mao with Mickey ears and
0: yeah I was gonna to ask about the toy thing is that do you feel a strong connection with him because he's designs toys
1: yeah I think I feel a connection with just because I get I just feel like he's a big nerd and like mm-hmm. that's why I mean and not like a nerd in the you know math nerd college educated nerd just like the guy's just obsessed with like music and toys and fun and movies and I, I just feel a kinship with that a lot Spy work at Funko. It's sometime in the future. The ultimate challenge. Crossfire.
0: Crossfire. You get caught up in the crossfire. Crossfire. You get caught up in the crossfire. 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 You'll get caught up in it. Oh, yeah. Upcoming projects. What are you working on next?
1: Uh, well, work wise, I can't talk about any of that, obviously. Okay. But personally, uh, normally I've been painting. Like, that's what I usually do in my free time. Mm-hmm. And I actually started drawing something I wanted to paint. I've got a drawing made, I just haven't transferred it to a canvas yet. But mm-hmm. uh, for some reason, I got a wild hair on my ass after I had my dad. Uh, my dad also spends his kind of retirement frankensteining guitars together from stuff he finds at like trading musician and other guitar use guitar shops and uh, he's gotten really good at actually kind of doing his own custom bodies like woodworking and stuff Mm -hmm. so i custom had him do a custom guitar that is made of the wood of like my grandfather's watercolor board and my childhood uh, art table and kind of created this awesome telecaster out of it um but once I had that in my hands, because my dad's been making guitars for, like, the last couple of years, and mm-hmm. it's cool. I, I kind of play guitar. I futz around with it, but I never like, mm-hmm. pick them up and play with them. Once I had to make this, I was like, oh, crap, now I need to get an amp. Now I need to get pedals. Mm-hmm. Now I need to get – and it's, like, it just started to become this thing. And now I'm, like – now I've got, like, two synths. I got a synth – I got a mini log on my desk and a, mm-hmm. a Roland TR-8 that my buddy let me borrow. Ooh. He's a huge synth nerd. I'm just, like
0: nice. – I'm
1: going down this rabbit hole that's away from visual art, but it is still creative but I really want to get back to my painting. So I don't really have upcoming projects. I just kind of have things I should be doing in my personal time on top of making board games every day. So
0: that sounds like a great way to be like scattered and
1: I love art and I love just music. So I'm just going to kind of immerse myself. I'm stuck in the house, you
0: know, we haven't really talked a lot about album covers, but do you have a first album cover you remember? If not, what's the first poster you remember?
1: Uh, I can do both of those. Okay, Um, First album, album cover that is actually like music would be highway to hell um nice that's a my cousin uh older cousin darren i think it was his uh but it's just one of those things you kind of see in not your parents house that is like you know this guy has devil horns and this looks sinister and, yeah um, um also the point i think was what i uh, wanted to bring up because that's my that was from my mom's collection that i mm. that was like a it's like a it's like a needlepoint cover I think, uh, even though the animation is like very much Yellow Submarine style, but the, oh, the, the yeah. album cover uh, is like Needlepoint. It's like a he- uh, Harry Nelson album for the most part.
0: Oh, is it Harry Nelson?
1: Yeah, uh, oh. I think he did. Yeah, Me and My Arrow, all that Oh, uh, I Nelson. love
0: that cover. The one where yeah. he has the pointy hair. Yeah,
1: I think when I saw that cover and then my mom was like, oh, you want to watch The Point? Like, I was like, yeah. And then we watched it and it looked nothing like, I was expecting like this weird animated cross stitch thing in it. It's still awesome, but. Your phone. Oh, I got a kid interrupting
0: me. Anyway, <sighs> well that's okay. Well, thank you so much, Josh. It was a yeah. pleasure talking to you.
1: Yeah, it is awesome. Um, we can uh, hang out once COVID's gone.
0: I officially. know, totally. Right. Uh, and good luck uh, with everything and your sense and your painting. Yeah,
1: watch. let's see. We'll see uh, how all that goes. I do have to get to the painting. It's going to be a big one, but I got. Yay! I gotta
0: well, yeah, share out. it with us when you're done. Can't wait to see I it. I will do.
1: All right. Uh... Bye. Take it easy. You too.